Pastor John? We are that, Cole. It's uh, your new life, your new life. Well, welcome, everybody, wherever you are. Uh, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are around the world. In fact, uh, I was just uh, handed... A, uh, a list of where folks were coming from today. In fact, uh, I find that uh, you are worshiping with us from 27 different states in the District of Columbia, as well as Canada, uh, Mexico, uh, the island of Jamaica, the uh, island of Malta, uh, from uh, uh, places uh, like Iraq and Djibouti and uh, other places in Africa, uh, all around the world. People are gathered in the name of Jesus Christ, Christ Church family, wherever you are. Thank you for joining us. You know, uh, you'll want to pull out your, your Christ Church notes or print them off if uh, you'd like to follow along in that way and write some things down. Otherwise, I simply invite you to follow along uh, the message today. So, you know, you, many of you are familiar with that old song, Home on the Range. Well, where the deer and the antelope play, where seldom is heard a discouraging word yet. So uh, two buffaloes were out on the range one day, and uh, a third buffalo comes up to him and said, look, guys, uh, I know it's been a long time, but I think I just heard a discouraging word. Well, I tell you that because, you know, discouraging words are everywhere around us today, right? I mean, sometimes we feel like we're, uh, these discouraging words are pummeling us like hail in a hailstorm. Uh, there's all kinds of discouragement around us. In fact, you know, although the worldwide curve of this virus seems to be flattening out just a bit, the reality is there's still every day an increase in numbers of cases of the virus worldwide. I heard uh, that uh, uh, just this week that uh, there are a record number of people in the United States who are out of work. Yeah, uh, 22 million people are out of work in the United States. That was earlier in the week. And all of that's happened within the past four weeks. Incredible. And then right here in Fairfax Station, just down the street from us in the Burke community, there is a retirement center where we've just learned on Monday that 11 of the residents have COVID-19. Uh, discouraging stuff all around us. We find that everywhere we go. There are a lot of people in our community who are discouraged. You're worried about your safety. You're worried about your, your kids' safety. You're, you're wondering, you know, what is it that we can do about it? And frankly, basically, other than uh, physical distancing and washing your hands, there's little to do about it. But today I'm beginning a series, a brand new series called Your New Life, Your New Life. That is, now that you have Easter hope, because now that uh, Jesus is risen from the dead, now that Jesus has conquered, uh, conquered death, you've got brand new life. That's what's available to you, a brand new life. But here's the question that I've got for you. How in the world do you stay strong in a brand new life? Uh, when there's so much discouragement out there. I mean, how do you stay strong uh, when, when there's so many discouraging words 
so much, so much discouraging news. How, how do you keep from being overcome by fear and anxiety and continue to grow in this brand new life to be the kind of people that God wants us to be? How do you continue to have this Easter hope? Well, you can have this Easter hope uh, through a couple of things I want to remind you about. And then I want to tell you how you can stay strong during these discouraging days, okay? Now, most every one of our scriptures is coming from the New Testament book of 1 Peter. And I want you to know, it's toward the end of the New Testament, by the way. You know, if you get to Revelation, you've gone too far. You got to back up a little bit and you'll get to 1 Peter. And 1 Peter was written... Uh, to to encourage the discouraged, yeah, to encourage the discouraged of Peter's day and now of our day. We find encouragement there as well. So here's what I want you to remember. Now listen, you've got brand new life, right, because of Easter hope? Listen to me. Here's what I need you to remember during these discouraging days. Here's how you can hold on to that brand new life, that Easter hope. First way is this. God, I want you to write it down if you can. God has chosen me to be a part of his family. Let me tell you, you talk about good news. Here it is right here. God has chosen me chosen me, I'm going to say it one more time, chosen me to be a part of his family. That's incredibly good news. Here's the scripture from 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 2, the first part of verse 2, and that it says, you are not, what's that word? Forgotten. Say, say forgotten again, forgotten. You're not forgotten, for you have been chosen and destined by Father God. The Holy Spirit has set you apart to be God's holy ones. Yeah, God set you apart. Why? Because he's chosen you. He's chosen you to be a part of his family. Let me say, let me say that first part of that scripture again. You are not what? Forgotten. You can say together, I am not forgotten. Let's say it. I am not forgotten. One more time. I am not forgotten. No, we're not forgotten by God. What did he do? He chose us. Father God chose us and set us apart to be his holy ones. That is uh, something we've got to remember, folks, when, uh, when we are in the midst of some discouraging days, that you've been chosen to be a part of his family. You know, I've said many times, your salvation is not a fluke. Your salvation is no accident. You know, Easter hope was God's plan from the very beginning, you know, and it's not because of anything that you've done. I'm going to say that again. God's Easter hope that you have is not because of anything you've done, but it's simply because of who God is. Yeah, it's because of who God is. We serve a God who loves us more than we could ever begin to dream, dream or imagine. We serve a God who cares about us, even in these discouraging days and discouraging times. We serve a God who is full of grace. Now, I got to tell you, I'm not exactly sure why so many Christians have a problem understanding that God is a God of grace. 
You know, the people struggle with that. They just struggle trying to figure out how in the world God is a God of amazing grace. And you know what I've come to think about? I've come to realize that that uh, many Christians struggle with the f- believing that God is a God of amazing grace because of the imagery they grew up with in church. Now, I think that's incredibly sad. But there are a lot of people, a lot of people who grew up with the image of God being the great law enforcement officer in the sky. He's just looking to catch you do something. He wants to catch you do something wrong. That's the kind of image that so many people grew up uh, uh, believing because it's what they was t- it was taught to them in the church. You know, they weren't taught that God is the good shepherd. No, they were taught that God is the great butcher in the sky who's looking to eat lamb chops. That's what he wants. He's not the great shepherd of the sheep. He's the great butcher looking to eat the lamb chops. Let me tell you, that's why so many people struggle with the fact that God is such a loving and gracious God with uh, utter amazing grace. And so is it any wonder that people struggle with the graciousness of God to believe that we serve a God who is, listen to this, slow to anger. Yeah, we serve a God who is slow to anger and full of amazing grace. That's absolutely true. Look at this next scripture. Um, 1 Peter chapter 1, the first part of verse 2, it says, you were chosen according to what? Say that out loud. According to the purpose of God. Yeah, you were chosen according to the purpose of God. Now, here's the deal. So what's God's purpose in choosing us? I mean, what's God's purpose in choosing you? I mean, uh, were you chosen by God because you're so nice? Oh, you're just so nice. You're so wonderful. You're so uh, perfect in all of your ways. (laughs) No, it's not. That's not the reason God chose you. It's not because you've earned it. It's not because you deserve it. Me either. You know, it's not just you, it's me. We, we don't deserve it. Certainly we don't earn it. No way. That's not why God has chosen you. Look, here's the reason God chose you. It's the next verse in 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, the first part of that verse says this. Because of, look at this, because of his great, what? His great mercy. Yeah, because of his great mercy, he gave us new life by raising Jesus Christ from the dead. And I love this last part too. This fills us with what? Living hope. Yeah, say that, living hope. You know what living hope is, right? It's Easter hope. It's the Easter hope because Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus conquered death. And so we have a brand new life that's full of living hope, full of Easter hope. So why did God chose you? Because of his, what? Great mercy. Yeah. And he has given us a brand new life because he, uh, Jesus rose from the dead. And that's the reason that you have living hope. Love that stuff. Incredible stuff, folks, right here. You know, the reality is, if, if, that, do, if that doesn't uh, encourage you, then you need to check your pulse. You got to make sure your heart's still beating because that is incredibly good news. He chose you because he, uh, of, out of his great mercy. So what does that mean to us? Write this down. Here it is. 
It means this, no matter what happens right here, God will always love me. That's right. You hear that? God will always love me because of that Easter hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Right here, folks, that shows you just what kind of God we serve. He will always love you no matter what your circumstances are. Here's the second thing that I want you to remember during these discouraging days and how you can hold on to Easter hope. That is this, that God is working in my life, that God is working in my life. You need to remember that. You know, when you're feeling discouraged, when you're feeling and you're thinking, well, you know, where is God in the midst of the, the this virus and in the midst of this pandemic? Well, the reality is that God is currently, right now, working in your life. He is working in your life. And here's the, the scripture, which is the uh, verse uh, 2, the second part of verse 2. It says this, and the Holy Spirit has been at work. You see that? The Holy Spirit has been at work in your life. And what's he doing there? How, what is he doing in your life? Well, he's cleansing you with the blood of Jesus. What's it mean? It means he's forgiving you. That his great mercy is at work in you, cleansing you, washing you clean through his grace, through the amazing grace of Jesus Christ. And doing what now? And making you to please him. Yeah, he's making you to please him. That is what the Lord is doing in your life right now. It's how he's at work. Now, some of you who are as old as I am probably remember uh, that Kenny Rogers back in 1979 uh, recorded a hit song called You Decorated My Life. If you're as old as I am, you probably remember it. You remember it? Kenny Rogers, You Decorated My Life? You decorated my life. There you go. That's as much as I can do about it. I, but I want I don't want to sing it. I want to introduce you to the world's greatest interior decorator. <laughs> the world's greatest interior decorator is Jesus, who redecorates your life from the inside out. He changes you. He remakes your life from something, from, from something that was wanting to something that is beautiful. Yeah, that's what he does. He redecorates our life. I want to introduce you to the world's greatest decorator. And you know what? When you allow Jesus to redecorate your life, there are two benefits that you get right away from allowing Christ in your life. Here's the first benefit. Oh, well, let me, let me tell you where it comes from. It comes from the next part of uh, the verse there in verse 2, 1 Peter. It says this, May God richly, excuse me, may God bless you richly and grant you increasing freedom from all anxiety and fear. Look at that once again. May God bless you richly and grant you increasing freedom from all anxiety and fear. Two benefits right here out of this verse when you meet the, uh, the greatest uh, interior decorator of your life who changes you from the inside out. Here's the first one, is that you are richly blessed. You see that? You want to write that down? You are richly blessed. The Lord has richly blessed you. You know, here's the deal. 
no matter what, what you're going through, no matter what your circumstances are, whether or not you're blessed is not dependent upon this, your circumstances. It's completely dependent on the fact that God loves you, that he cares about you, that he loves you, that he's working in your life, and that he has chosen you to be a part of his family. You are richly blessed. First benefit of knowing the the interior decorator named Jesus Christ. Here's the second great benefit, and it is this. It is freedom from anxiety and fear. That's what he gives us. He gives us freedom from anxiety and fear. Now, what an incredible gift, especially in this time, right? Especially during these discouraging days. I mean, uh, this is the one of the best gifts that you can get is when you allow Jesus into your heart and life. And what he does is he redecorates your life from the inside out, which is blessing you and increasing your freedom from anxiety and fear. That is an incredible gift that God gives. And so I want you to write this down, folks. No matter what happens, God will help me. Folks, you're not alone. You don't have to do, you don't, look, folks, you don't have to do life alone. You don't have to do life alone because God is going to help you. He's going to help you. You know, I've said many times before that, you know, God didn't create you to be a Lone Ranger Christian. Do you hear me? He never created you to walk through life alone. He didn't create you to be a Lone Ranger Christian. He created you to be within community and also to trust in God. And here's the deal. No matter what happens, God will help me. I want you to remember this, folks. Remember this. In discouraging days, in your new life in Christ, you need to remember that you're not alone, that God will help you. Now, here's the thing. Over the next six weeks, I'm going to be talking about six spiritual disciplines now that you have a brand new life in Christ. And we are living in discouraging days. So listen, how can you be sure that you continue to be strong in your faith? How, how can you be sure that you're not going to be not going to give in and become overwhelmed by anxiety and fear. What do you need to do to stay strong? Well, we're going to be talking about that. I'm going to give you an overview of those six spiritual disciplines that I'm going to be challenging you to put into place in your life so that you can stand strong during difficult times. And here's the cool thing. Each one of these spiritual disciplines is is a part of our mission here at Christ Church. They fit within our mission statement because our mission and our spiritual growth go hand in hand together. And what is our mission? You know it as well as I do. Let's say it together. Here it is, to love God, to love others, and live out the gospel life. You know, I have a treat for you that uh, I, I, this week I interviewed Steve Kinney, uh, better known as Izzy's husband. And uh, Steve, when he came to Christ Church about 10 years ago, um, was an agnostic. Uh, didn't have anything against God, just didn't know if God was real or God existed. And certainly God was irrelevant in his life. 
But then something happened that caused him to trust Christ and get this new life. But the question then becomes, how does he stay strong in it? I've got an interview I want to share with you. Here's Steve Kinney. So with us today is Steve Kinney. Steve has been a member of Christ Church. Uh, Steve Battle, by the way, is better known as Izzy's husband. And uh, so we want to welcome Steve. Steve has been a member of Christ Church for the last 10 years. He came to Christ Church really as an agnostic, thanks to Izzy, who had been praying for him and encouraged him to come with her. And uh, today, uh, he is experiencing a brand new life in Christ for the past 10 years or so. And so we want to uh, thank God for that. And I want to want you to meet uh, Steve Kinney, people of Christ Church. Here he is. Steve, welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. So tell us about who was Steve Kinney uh, prior to knowing Christ? So, you know, I thought I was a, I thought I was a good person. You know, I had a good life. You know, I felt I was in control. Church was important to Izzy, but it wasn't important to me. It was actually one of the things when we were dating, I thought this may be the thing that keeps this from working. But you know, I, I would go to church with her. A lot of times we'd go to a Spanish church and the sermon was in Spanish. And, and that was fine. I mean, I don't speak Spanish, but I wasn't going to pay attention anyway. July 22nd. 2010, Izzy had some minor surgery that was scheduled. It was going to be outpatient surgery. It was robotic. And one of these things, we were going to go in, have the surgery, and we were going to go home. And all of a sudden, I realized it was kind of later in the day. I thought, oh, you know, I thought the surgery would be over by now. And, you know, you know they're busy. It, it, you know, the doctor will be here soon. And then the doctor was there. And so the doctor comes over to me and, you know, just to kind of quickly explain, you know, the surgery did not go as planned. The, the robot had accidentally sliced the artery that runs up the inside of her abdomen and Izzy bled out immediately. So they, you know, had to perform emergency surgery, open her up to repair the artery. He explained to me that she was most likely not going to live. If she did, best case scenario would be severe brain damage. And of course, you know, I told the doctor, you know, you, you do whatever you need to do, you know, to take care of her. And <clears throat> as he, you know, I got to see her for just a moment and, you know, with all the tubes and so the doctor took me back to the waiting room and he said, I'm going to go take care of your wife. And I looked at the doctor and I said, well, what do I do? Because at that point I had nobody to call. I didn't know how to deal with this. And John, he looked at me and he said, you pray. And I mean, he looked at me like I was an idiot, you know, like you pray. And he turned and walked away. So... You know, I, I didn't have any better options. I couldn't think of anything else to do. So I got down in my knees and I, in the waiting room there in the hospital, and I prayed that she would be okay. And a little while later, it was probably a little more than a little while later, the doctor comes back. 
and he said we took it out and her vitals didn't drop. We waited a moment, they still didn't drop. We waited a little while longer, they still didn't drop. And we think she might wake up soon. Her eyes start to flutter a little bit and she, she wakes up. And of course I had no idea what, you know, what, what was gonna happen there. You know, she woke up and she just looks at me and is the surgery over? And I said, yes, the surgery's over. Uh, there were some complications and you know, she was gonna be in the hospital for a little while and she, uh, okay. I, I didn't know at that time, but I found out later that the doctor that you know had done all the surgery and everything said, when they were doing the procedure to put, you know, take the, the tube out and put the tube back in, he has never felt the presence of the Holy Spirit as strongly as he did at that moment. So needless to say, the Lord got my attention. And so that's when I, you know, took Alpha and I learned a whole bunch of things. And, and you started paying attention to the sermon. I paying attention to the sermon. I started to read my Bible. <laughs> I started to, I, and not only did I, you know, want to read my, I read the, I read the Bible all the time. I enjoy it. I get so much from it. I spend a lot of time in prayer. I want to serve. I find I just am a changed person. I am. A prayer she'd been pray praying for me was answered because she was hope she's been praying for me to come to know and have a saving relationship you know, with God the Father through Jesus Christ and by the Holy, the Spirit. Holy Spirit. And that prayer was the bigger prayer that was answered on July 22nd, 2010. Well, Steve, thank you so much uh, for being with us. I am so happy to be your pastor and to have walked this faith journey with you. And uh, I appreciate your, your uh, faithful witness uh, as your new life in Christ just continues to grow and blossom. So God bless you. Thank you. Give our love to Izzy. And uh, we will we'll see you in person as soon as we're able to get out of the house. Yes, yes. Can't wait to be back in church together. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. God is good. All the time. Yes, God is indeed good all the time. That was Steve Kinney. You know, uh, the thing that keeps Steve strong are these spiritual disciplines that he has placed in his life so that when, when life happens, and you and I all both know, life happens, and things go wrong, and, 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 and stuff begins to fall apart, but, you know, we don't have to fall apart with it. Because we can stand strong when our foundation is strong, when we've got spiritual disciplines that are, that are in our life that are holding us together and reminding us that we do have new life in Jesus Christ. We've got Easter hope. Now, what are these spiritual disciplines that I'm talking about? These six things. I'm going to give you a quick overview because we're going to unpack them and dive deep uh, beginning next week. But here are just some quick, as a quick overview of these spiritual disciplines. The very first thing we need to do is we need to respond to Jesus. 
Yeah, responding to Jesus is the first of our spiritual disciplines. In fact, you remember what Jesus said to his disciples when he called them? He said, to come, what? Follow me. Yeah, to come follow me. Well, how do we follow Jesus? How do we respond to his call in our lives? Well, through prayer and devotion and, uh, uh, and uh, worship and uh, through our giving and so forth, we, we grow to be the kind of people God wants us to be. Come follow him. Put the spiritual disciplines into work to respond to Jesus. Here's the second one. The second one is embracing Jesus. It's embracing Jesus. And uh, Jesus invites all those who will follow by saying, hey, come, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. What is he talking about? How do we embrace Jesus? We embrace Jesus by by learning, by studying, by learning, and then mostly by owning by owning the essential beliefs of what it really means to be a follower of Jesus, to own those essential beliefs for yourself. Not not grandma's faith, not mama's faith, not daddy's faith, but your faith, to own it, to own this faith, this relationship, this living hope, this Easter hope, this new life for yourself. Embrace Jesus, own this life for yourself. Then, here's the next one, is to become present, to become present. This is how we love others. Remember, the first two was loving God. Here's loving others. And that is, matter of fact, Jesus said, to, uh, love each other as I have loved you. Let me ask you, how were you present how are you present for the people around you right now during this COVID-19 uh, epidemic? You know, being present is more than just simply being somewhere in person when that's not possible. But, but caring for people, providing that listening ear for people. And you don't have to be, you don't have to be there one-on-one -on -one for that to happen. I'll tell you one way where the people of Christ Church are just exceedingly amazing when it comes to being present. You know, over the last three weeks, you have been so incredibly generous. You have given and provided more than 3,800 pounds of food. Do you realize that's just under two tons of food? 3,800 pounds of food have been donated here. And then the people of Christ Church packing this all up and getting it out to those who are hungry. Uh, children who are hungry, parents who are hungry, uh, people who are food insecure. This church is responding like no other. Just under 2,000 pounds of food. And that doesn't even include the 150 bag meals a week over the last uh, three weeks, which is uh, 450, 450 bag meals. And that doesn't even include the more than 700 bag meals that go to the homeless all up and down Route 1. That's the kind of generosity that you participate in. That's how you're present. You want to become present? One of the ways you can do it right now 
is by using the grocery list that that uh, I printed out in my letter. It's also on uh, on Facebook, I know, under the Christ Church page. There's a grocery list where you can provide groceries, and we will see that the, the that those who have lost their jobs, those who are hungry, receive food right here in in Northern Virginia. In fact, you remember the figure I told you at the beginning of the message that 22 million people have lost their jobs. And there are many right here in Northern Virginia. How can you respond right here? Being present, helping to provide for people in their need. Here's another. How else do you love other people? Well, it's cultivating hospitality cultivating hospitality. In fact, uh, when uh, the disciple Philip, he was one of the 12, uh, saw another gentleman, his name was Nathaniel. Nathaniel, he was inviting Nathaniel to come and uh, be a follower of Jesus Christ. He shared the, the story, uh, his faith story, and then invited Nathaniel to come and follow as well. Nathaniel said, look, you know, can anything good come from the town of Nazareth? Can anything good come out of that town? Well, he was referring to Jesus, of course. And what Philip said, he said, come and see. You know, when you cultivate hospitality, you invite others in. You invite them to be a part of what Jesus is doing in the world, what God is doing in the world. You, 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 you learn how to share your faith story, not somebody else's story, but your story of what Jesus did in your heart and life. Invite people in. Invite them to know Christ and cultivate hospitality. Here's the next one. It's to grow in generosity, to grow in generosity. In fact, Jesus said, don't lay up treasures for yourself on earth, but lay up treasures for yourself in heaven. Lay up treasures for yourself in heaven. You know, I've said many times that the people of Christ Church are some of the most generous people I've ever met in my life. And you know why that is? Generos Let me tell you, generosity is not natural. I want you to hear me say it. It's not natural to be generous because human nature is to, is to hoard is to keep for oneself. But Jesus always <laughs> teaches us not to turn inward, but always to turn outward. And to be reminded that, that you can never, ever outgive God. You just can't. The, the Lord has asked us to grow in generosity, to, to step up to the tithe, to trust the Lord that he will provide for you. And that's, that's a big step of being able to stand firm in the faith, knowing, because you built that trust, knowing that God's got the whole world in the palm of his hand, and that includes you. Here's the last one, and that is discovering your purpose. Let me ask you this. How in the world are you wired? How did God wire you? How did God shape you? You know, using your spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, your personality, your unique experiences. You know, I've said before, you are a masterpiece, a one-of-a-kind work of art. That's who you are, a one-of-a-kind work of art. When God made you, he put his thumbprint, his unique thumbprint on you. You know, 
when, when you discover how God's wired you and made you, you discover your purpose in life. And there is nothing more fulfilling that helps you stand strong in discouraging days when you know that you are doing exactly what God created and made you and shaped you to do. You know, our team here at the church has put together a pamphlet called Growing in Your Faith. And the link to this is available in your sermon notes. If you'll click up there, you'll see the link uh, to this pamphlet. It's also available on the website, uh, on our webpage at, uh, under Growing in Your Faith at the top of the page. You'll see Growing in Your Faith. And then you'll see the six spiritual disciplines right along here that I've just been talking about. And then you'll find four categories of where you might be in that spiritual discipline, whether you are uh, seeking uh, uh, seeking to be involved in that or whether you're exploring, whether you're growing or whether you're maturing. I want you this week to please print this out and then find out where you are. Just read through this and put a check mark or an X or something near the spot where you believe you are in relation to these spiritual dimensions, these six habits that will help you stand firm in your faith in this brand new life you've got. Would you do that? Would you do that today? Print this out. Find out where you are. And next week, we're going to unpack one by one uh, these particular spiritual dimensions, these six habits for your brand new life. And we will grow to be the most spiritually mature church in Northern Virginia. You know, that's my goal for you. The thing that I pray for, that which I long for, particularly during these next few weeks between now and June the 10th, before we can come back together, look, I want us to grow so deep in our faith that we become the most spiritually mature church in Northern Virginia. Will you join me in it? Is it possible? Of course it is. It's absolutely possible if we together, if we together trust the Lord, seek that Easter hope, live into that Easter hope, stand firm in these discouraging days and continue to grow in our faith. That will change your life. Why? Because, I'll tell you, because Jesus is the world's greatest interior decorator. Let him redecorate your life today. Let's pray together, shall we? Most gracious Heavenly Father, thank you so much for all the gifts that you have poured out upon us in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. We thank you for the new life that we have because you have conquered death, because you rose from the dead, because you have given us Easter hope. We have brand new life. And Lord, even though we've got brand new life, these are discouraging days we're living in. And we need to know how we can stand strong and not get overwhelmed by anxiety and fear. How we can stand strong uh, when discouraging words are uh, pelting us like hailstorms in a thunderstorm. Folks, hold on to Jesus. Lord, that's what we ask. 
that we would grow in our faith and become the most spiritually mature church in Northern Virginia as we reach out in loving concern to the people who are around us. Thank you for this church. Thank you for its ministry. Thank you, Lord, for making this possible for us, that you, Lord, have made it possible that we can reach out all over the world just right this very moment, 27 states, seven different countries, all together worshiping you. We ask right now, Lord, that you would bless this church and its ministry and our outreach to the world. We are grateful to be a part of what you're doing. Lord, grow us to look more and more like you. For this is our prayer in the holy name of Jesus. Come, redecorate our lives in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, we're going to 